Uh, yeah, so what's going on, man? Well, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, so I have been in the insurance industry since 1994. Uh, I started with Nationwide Insurance in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I started as a claim rep. And I worked my way up, and eventually I was the national director of claims, um, ran the state of Texas forum, and then in 2006, went to agency and started a scratch nationwide insurance agent agency. Fast forward to today, uh, I've been an independent. I was a nationwide agent and became an independent agent uh, and have been an independent agent and a member of Trusted Choice, which is where I kind of found you guys uh, for years. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume you know what's going on with the nationwide agency force. I've I've heard a thing or two about it. I, I can't say I'm intimately familiar with it, but I know that they've they've um, they've wised up and and kind of coming back to their independent ways, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is kind of what led us to today. Um, you know, when I uh, when this happened with nationwide, my phone started ringing. Uh, you know, from a bunch of guys that I knew back there. Yeah. And, um, you know, how do you become an independent? What's it like? You know, all these different types of questions. And I saw it uh, initially thought, well, you know what, what I can do is I had so many people calling me. I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just, you know, teach classes or do some consulting with them. And after I met with several of them, uh, I'm here, I'm based here in Texas now, um, outside of Dallas. And after meeting with a couple of them, I just realized that you know, you know, their hair's on fire. They don't know which way to go or how to navigate this, which uh, led me to an idea of saying, hey, you know what? There are 2,500 nationwide agents across the country. They control about $5 billion in premium. And what we, what I said about doing over the last six months was creating a home for them with the idea of trying to you know, create a, a, an entity for them to go to, to kind of stay together, to, to kind of, um, you know, a, kind of a cluster, but not really a cluster. It's kind of a new way of doing business. Um, you know, there's so many things that cool things you can do when you have a large group of agents. Um, and that's what we're really exploring, not only from trying to understand this could be like the greatest incubator of, or the greatest Petri dish of, what happens when captive, you know, chocolate meets peanut butter, when a captive world meets an independent world and what are consumers behavior and what are things that start driving that? Um, and there's a lot of data and learnings to be made from that. Um, there are, we set up a national ENO program through Brown and Brown. So this way they could have all their ENO and we've partnered with easy links to go ahead and manage all their, you know, all their data, their claim management or their uh, sales management system. And by doing all this, what we hope to create is, you know, really um, a lot of data and learnings that we can use going forward, not only from an agent's perspective to try to do, you know, anything from regression analysis on when people buy, when they don't buy, when they cross sell, what happens if you don't cross sell, just all kinds of stuff that we can learn. And also pressure points on, on price. When does retention really deteriorate? So there's so many kinds of cool things that we can do. And um, one of our goals is to go ahead and monetize that data and any money or, or monetization that we have from that will be shared with the members. So what we want to do is create this environment where we bring people from a captive world to an independent world. 
they have the freedom to leave, but what we hope is to create an environment that they'll stay not only because of the culture, but also because they have availability to create different revenue streams that they've never seen before. Let me ask you, I'm going to take a couple steps back, Al. Uh-huh. And why, what is it about the captive model that you think made nationwide or just in, just the captive model in general, not just maybe exclusively to nationwide, that just kind of has has that being rethought? Uh, what, what was it that they feel the independent way of life in the insurance world is, is a better way of doing business? You know, that's a damn good question. Uh, I don't think they've told anybody what was their rationale. Uh, I can tell you what I've heard and what I believe from having worked in those towers. I used to work in Columbus, Ohio for a while in their home office is I, I think that there's two things. One, are you, are you pretty familiar with nationwide at all? I mean, I, I mean, we're not best friends, but I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in, I live in Ohio. I'm outside the Cleveland area. So I've, oh, I've you're kidding me, man. past their building. Yeah, oh, no, so yes, oh, I'm no very familiar with, with them down there in Columbus, but outside of that, I mean, yeah. you know, I don't have any intimate dealings with them for, you know, for years, um, you know, nationwide bought allied insurance. Um, I don't know how many years yep. ago it was over a decade yeah. ago. And, uh, allied of course was an independent model. And what was interesting is I was there when that, all that went down and, you know, nationwide bought allied, but allied ate nationwide, if that makes sense. And their leadership, Rasmussen and the, you know, the higher ups, the president of the company, they're all from Allied, which I don't know how that happened, but there was an internal power struggle. And, and I think a couple of things. One, I think Allied always hated the captive model. They never understood it. And I think that was an internal thing. And then the other thing I think is that from talking to folks I still know at Nationwide back there in Columbus, I was just up there a couple um, last month is that they believe long-term the personal lines agent is going the way of the gas station attendant. And they've decided to get out now. Hmm. And when I say personal lines, what I mean is the captive personal lines agent, I guess I should say. I was going to say, I heard a lot of computers just being tossed out the window, like fires being set, possible riots forming in the streets. Well, you know, it's... um, it's really kind of shocking to me because, you know, I grew up at that company, uh, but this is what they've decided to do. But in a lot of ways, I can understand it. I mean, I, I don't think they're necessarily wrong. I think it's hard to hear that, but they may be right. Um, but conversely, you know, when I have interviewed nationwide agents and, you know, I never was, you know, when I left nationwide agency and went independent, you know, I got recruited by all those clusters and all those folks. Yeah. And, you know, it always seemed to me when it got to, well, okay, this sounds really good. Now, what happens if I don't like it or I want to leave or whatever? I want to sell. That's where all the, you know, that's where the rub was. And <laughs> and there had to be a better way. But when I talked to these agents as I did these interviews, what I learned was, you know, from a captive perspective, and I was a captive, is that it's scary to become an independent but I think what's even scarier is you hear the stories and I, you know, I, I've thrived in an independent world, but I, I, it is true. You know, you get across, come across a bad sales manager for travelers or, you know, somebody you upset, a, you upset the wrong underwriter somewhere. They'll yank your contract. 
And the idea of having, I think it was one agent told me, I'm in the business of insurance and joining a cluster. I'd rather be on a group health policy than an individual health policy. And I think that kind of resonated with me because I wasn't really, I thought about doing this and I thought, I don't know, man, all those clusters seem kind of, kind of shady to me. Um, And when I heard that, I thought, well, he makes a lot of sense. I'd rather be on a group health policy than an individual policy. Um, And that's really when I decided to go forward with this. I mean, it was a hell of a damn time walking into all these home offices of all these insurance companies and selling them on the idea. Um, but one of the things that I did, you know, I think really hit home with them, as I said, you know, these nationwide agents, there's 22,000 and change of them. They control about $5 billion in premium. It feels like an excessively big number to me. I'm not going to be honest. What do you mean? Oh, just five. It's a, it's a bit, it feels like a big number, which is good. I mean, it's a good big number. It's just surprising to me. I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. It's about $5 billion in premium. And, sure. and the thing is, is that that's going to be, that baby's going to be birthed in the independent world. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's coming. I don't, are you going to get a share of it? What's your plan? This is going to be the biggest increase in independent agencies we'll see probably in our lifetime, I think. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, you know, for a geeky perspective, it's kind of a historic time. And I think it makes sense to get organized and, and, you know, come, come on in and join and, Let's try to get this. What is that? So, and maybe this is my, I'm just not familiar enough with the dealings. Like, you know, how long is it like, uh, what, what is the phase in rate for these nationwide guys? Like what yeah. is there like a drop dead date of like, <sighs> yeah. So this is, uh, this is where it gets complex. So, um, nationwide, a nationwide agent, you don't own your book. They don't, they don't own it. They are, uh, own the servicing rights or have the servicing rights of that book whatever the hell that means in legalese. So this is how it works, is that they have three different options. Um, option number one is next July. What happens next July is that, say they have a $5 million book with the Nationwide. Um, they, Nationwide is going to take uh, the 12-month moving of those commissions, and then what's going to happen is they're going to put it in their Excel, and they're going to spit out a purchase value of the book. Um, once they have that purchase value, I don't know, say it's $700,000, whatever it is, they've got to cut nationwide a check for $700,000 and then they Mm. get the book. But here's the caveat to that is that once they buy the book, they, um, uh, have a a covenant on the, um, purchase month, the book they just bought, they have a two year covenant not to roll it, sell it, flip it. They can't mess with it. So that book is kind of frozen for two years. Now for new business, they're kind of open for business, you know, new customers. Um, So that's option one. Option two is you fast forward to the next July and what is that? 2020. And then they um, nationwide does the same kind of methodology, you know, they to figure out the value and then nationwide gives them the book for free. Congratulations. Here's your free book. But we're going to 1099 you for the value of it. So in this case, you would get a $700,000 tax bill. Yeah, that sucks. And your covenant on the book, kind of that non-compete, extends out to five years. Wow, okay. 
Option three, as I understand it, is uh, the same same methodology. You fast forward another year, and then they've got um, uh, they give. I think it's half. They ten ninety nine them for half the value of the book, but the covenant on the book you buy is now. I think it's ten years. Wow! So it's a Chinese finger puzzle. I I hear um, an excess like a boom in uh, agency lending to um, yeah purchase financing is what I hear yeah so you know one of the things that we've done is we've partnered with a broker and uh, company here out of Dallas for our members uh, to go ahead and um, you know have they have connections with sixty banks across the country that do nothing but insurance agency financing so that's yeah. one of the benefits that we have to our members. Yeah, because I'm taking option one, I guess, if I'm getting a good financing deal. Well, you know, I, I think it all depends upon, you know, where they are in their career. I mean, I think that the, you know, guys who are earlier on in their career and they've got to still have a long way to go, I guess would do option one. Um, you know, if you're 63 years old and, you know, you're kind of towards the, the twilight of your career, I, you know, it's funny as I talk to him, it's all over the place. Hmm. It's fascinating. Um, so I'm interested as, as we've got a bunch of, like you said, basically the biggest flood of independent agencies at, you know, kind of a given time, a concentrated kind of influx of independent agents into the channel than we maybe ever seen before. Um, you know, to me, I've always been an independent, like the thought of being a captive was terrifyingly awful mm -hmm. most days. Yeah. At best. Um, but you know, the one advantage I think you guys had was selling on that brand, that captive brand. Um, what was that experience like versus now coming and selling, you know, an ally that, you know, even is owned by Nationwide, but nobody's heard of or XYZ insurance company. Did you, did you notice ever any differences there as far as the sale, making it easier, better? Uh, no, no. You, know, you know what the big myth is, is that, um, you know, I, when I was a Nationwide agent, I thought, you know, I always tell the story. I, uh, you know, I just, I, hell, I didn't know anything about selling insurance. You know, I was an, you know, I was a corporate guy. And when I opened my storefront, um, you know, I just assumed, you know, people would come walking in and buying insurance. And when I did that, um, my first week, the phone didn't ring. I mean, I worked 40 hours and the phone never rang. And I remember after about, Friday afternoon, I picked up my cell phone and I thought, oh, hell, now I know why my phone hasn't rang. It's something's wrong with the phone. And I remember calling the main line and it rang and my heart sank. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, what the hell did I do? I left a cushy corporate job. What am I doing? I thought people yeah. would just come because it was nationwide, you know, like it's a damn subway or something. And what I learned was that's not the truth. And what I learned after you fast forward a couple of years, you know, we had built up about almost a $3 million book in three or four years. And when I left Nationwide, I thought, oh, God, now, you know, they're going to stay with Nationwide. You know, these clients are gone. I'm going to have to start over. And I really debated, you know, should I even start? I started again from scratch three years later as an independent. And you know what? Customers don't care. They called they were at that point, they were loyal to me. They didn't care about nationwide. It was just another 
you know, to them, it's a, you know, Toyota is a Nissan is a, you know, they really didn't care. So Al, the, the, uh, the, the idea or the notion that person, the personal lines cap, well, maybe this is true. So you think the independent personal lines agent is still going to be alive and well then is what you, is, I mean, based on what you just said to me. Yeah, I think that, um, yes, for the time being. I think that's true, but I mean, you know, you probably, you know, this better than I do is these insure tech companies, you know, they may not be making any headway right now, but sooner or later, someone's going to do to homeowners insurance, what Geico did to auto insurance. And, you know, when you run and, you know, haven't been in corporate America, you know, they're going to, the first thing they do is 15% off the top goes a long way towards your combined, you know, your combined ratio. So, you know, the squeeze is going to be on the, you know, the individual agent. It's just like what Orbitz did to travel, right? The travel agencies are gone for the most part. Yeah, but the really good ones are still left though. Yeah, but the majority of them are probably out of business. And, you know, I think that's the way we have to look at it is, I think by one of the things I'm so excited about, you know, creating this new entity is the possibilities, you know, what can you do with when you have a hundred, 200, 300, however many hundred agents together, you know, what can you do? What can you evolve into? Cause we're all going to need to evolve. Right. Well, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll humor, I'll bite out. What is the evolution that you see coming for this group or in the industry or, well, just I mean, you speak to like the two to three hundred. You know, what what does that oh, you know yeah. kind of? I mean, it opens it opens up all kinds of possibilities. I mean, it really does. I think that as time goes by, I think the uh, direct acquisition of customers by these carriers, you know, the Safeco's of the world and the the travelers, they already have all these direct operations, and you know, they have the ability to quote and bind immediately off their websites without agent interaction. When you have a large group of agents, it brings weight to the table of, hey, you want to do a direct acquisition, you know, Safeco or Travelers or State Auto? That's great. You know what? Then send them over to us and we can provide the personal touch. You may be good at, it may change from the way we acquire customers. doesn't mean we have to change the way we service customers because everybody wants somebody to hold their hand once you know, once something bad happens, they don't, that's when they don't like dealing with a 1-800 number or an app. Mm. You know, I was ready to fight with you on that, but I completely agree. Well, look at that. Man. Um, but uh, I, you know, I think I know from my claims background, I mean, I, I was the national director of claims. People want people when things go bad, people want ease of use when they just have to make a transaction. And I think, so now, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that I think the, the hundred million dollar question is, is will agents be satisfied with that redefined role? You know, uh, having been married once, the difference between being satisfied <laughs> and existing are two different things. If they're not satisfied, there's a whole world that they go, can go into. But the ones who really uh, want to stay in the business you know, change is not a democracy. It's shoved down your throat. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Well, because I agree. I think I mean I you know I think there is something to the like you said like there's on on the scale of like a Safeco or a Travelers or something of the resources that they can throw behind the direct acquisition, but the idea of the retention piece of it is still a little further away. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've seen those call centers, you know, nationwide had a big uh, call center direct operation in Amarillo, Texas. And, you know, the retention and the, you know, the ability to round out, I mean, they were just kind of taking orders. It was like working in a Burger King. Um, yeah. But, you know, the local agent, if his, you know, bread is being buttered on retention, that, if that's how you get paid, that's what you do. Um, so I, I think those are some of the things. I, I think that's a big way that being able to have a, kind of a, a group, an allied group, uh, can work with some of these carriers. The other thing is, is it also allows us to go ahead and evolve into niche markets, you know, whether it's uh, small commercial or whether it's professional lines or whatever it is, is that as things change on the personal lines front, when you've got a, a boat sailing, you know, we can change directions and strategically try to roll out different ways to go ahead and, and evolve, whether it's small commercial, whether it's uh, specialty lines, whatever it could be, you know, we're all going to be affected together. When you're one agent out on an island, it's hard to navigate those type of things. Yeah, I mean, man, that's, I think, and well, and some of some of you even speculated that, you know, small commercials not too far behind. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I was just in a meeting with uh, Safeco Insurance today. They had a big commercial presentation, Liberty Mutual did. And yeah, they're starting to be able to bring some AI into small commercial quoting. If you're a painter, commercial painter, here are the coverages we'd recommend for you. Uh, you know, here's the, you know, it's starting to do some kind of predictive modeling about what coverages and what you need to do. And it, once you do that, it's not too far from making it automatic. And that's where, you know, I think ultimately it's interesting, you know, to hear your kind of excitement, you know, surrounding, you know, kind of routing, you know, large groups of agents, uh, but in the contrast of like this exact same conversation and how they seem to be competing in some way, but maybe not really. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Well, hopefully the old adage of you don't bite the hand that feeds you holds true for quite some time. Do you think it will? I don't know. But what I can tell you is it's going to be really hard for an individual agent to fight that battle. So is this something that we just basically don't have a choice? As you're saying, it gets shoved down our throat accepting. Um, is it the fact, cause a lot of the narrative has been, we're just not very good at adapting and delivering a customer experience that is relevant. Um, but based on, where we, we kind of find ourselves in this conversation is that regardless of what we do by ourselves, that this is inevitably going to happen. I, yeah. I mean, I do believe change is coming. I, mean, I, don't, I think everybody sees it. Um, it's just a matter of going ahead and trying to be evolutionary about it. And maybe in some ways being revolutionary about it. Don't, you know, 
if if I think if agents just lay down and let let companies dictate how it's going to happen, you really don't have a choice. But what I'm really excited about and what I am, what really makes me most excited about all this is being able to, you know, if we can get enough electoral votes, we may have a say in how this change takes place. Uh, how many do you think we need and, and what do we have to do to get them? Uh, you know, for our group, the mutual agency, you know, there's two things, two, two strategies we have, um, you know, we're going to be focusing, we know these nationwide agents are transitioning. So that's priority number one, but you know what, we're going to be open to all captive agents, you know, for those who are working for anything with a state or an all or a farm in their name, if they want to go ahead and secede and go ahead and decide that there may be a better way, um, that's what we're interested in doing. Um, so as many as we can, um, I think that would be ideal. Um, but we're not, uh, my group is not open to everybody. We're, if someone's just looking for, hey, I, you know, I want to become an independent, uh, you know, I, I want to get in the business, we're not interested in scratch agents. We're not interested in some guy who's running a subway and wants to flip to a McDonald's. Um, you know, what we're interested in is, you know, like-minded people. My, you know, my dad was a Marine and he used to tell me all the time that, the only difference between them and the army, you know, everybody had helmets and guns and a uniform. It was really the attitude. And that's what we're looking to attract are, you know, those folks, those agents that want a better way, want to be aligned with like-minded people and want to be grow and be a force in the industry. Um, one of the greatest compliments, I had an old boss who told me once, the greatest compliment anybody can ever tell you is, you changed the way they did business. And that's what we're looking for. I was a nationwide agent. <laughs> you know, I left nationwide. Uh, yeah, I had a family. I had kids to feed. And I didn't have a book. And I had to start from scratch. Um, and I did it the hard way and made tons of mistakes. And what we want to do is create it that for those like-minded people, we've got a, a turnkey solution for you. Um, so we have the ability to get this done. Um, we're rolling out in Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma in the next 90 days. And then after that's going to be phase one, we have, we're only taking 20 agents, 20 agencies. Uh, after that, uh, we'll have phase two, and we're going to scale it up to uh, 50 more through the first half of next year. Uh, and then after that, you know, we'll reevaluate and see how we're doing. Uh, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to grow to the point where we lose our special sauce. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. The sauce needs to stay special for sure. Um, uh, and, uh, what is, let me ask this, and this will be, I think my last question for you, Al yeah. is what is what will it look like? in your environment when you have changed the way someone maybe in this scenario does business? Uh, what I think it would look like is that we have developed ways that we haven't thought of yet to go ahead and grow agencies, whether that's from a case of we develop our own infrastructure, that we now have our own preferred programs, we have the ability to negotiate in mass with business partners. 
and also that we've created new forms of revenue, whether that's from data, whether it's from um, negotiating on an individual basis with carriers, uh, or whether it's developing our own products. Then you know you've arrived, right? Yeah, and, and to get the data, you got to have enough data points, so right. enough agents, you know, providing you the data. And then the where where it's interesting though is is that you know if if you would then have you would then be basically something. I mean, you're still kind of looking to acquire insurance agents, but you know if you're selling your own products, are you doing that to sell to other independent agents that are not part of your kind of world yet, or would these be products that would somehow bridge the gap between? Uh, carrier and agent and or client. And, I, I would imagine uh, that it would be to our clients, but I also think that part of our value proposition and our experiences when you have enough data on stuff is to sell it back to the carriers. And you think, you think they'd be interested? Why wouldn't they? I don't know. They tend to get in their own way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and maybe they wouldn't but maybe the another carrier right next door would. Um, so I, I think that's, I think that's, that's something that really excites me 